you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to be joined today by a special guest. It's always exciting when I have a guest, so it's not just me alone in my storefront talking to myself. Today, I am joined by Jenny Rosenstrat. She is not only an amazing chef and author and New York Times bestseller several times over, she's also my neighbor. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, Betsy. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, when I saw you had a new book, first of all, I've been looking for an excuse to talk to you. I could just come knock, right? <laughs> you could. It would be that easy. <laughs> yeah. But I find it's just so much easier to ask people to be on my podcast when I want to get to know them more. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. It works for, it's a win-win. I get win -win. to see you and we get to talk about work. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even think you recognize me. You always see me walking up and down the street in my onesie with my dog, but believe it or not, I wear real clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I recognize you. You look great. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Right back at you. Well, for those people who don't live next door to you, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Well, first I want to just take issue with one thing you said already, which is calling me a chef because I am a hundred percent not a chef. <laughs> this is a very important distinction. I am a very good home cook. I think when people hear the word chef, they get certain associations with like fancy sauces and fancy equipment in terms of kitchen gear and kitchen strategies. And I just want to immediately say that I am a home cook. <laughs> and all of my books, beginning with Dinner Love Story, which is about family dinner, how to get it on the table without losing your mind. Um, all of my books have dealt with how the home cook gets dinner on the table for the most part. And it's evolved over the years. It began as a blog called Dinner Love Story, but the, the mission has stayed the same. How do we get dinner on the table? And if we're lucky, a delicious dinner on the table, but often it's just dinner. And if it's takeout, it's fine. And, you know, my, when I started, my kids were little six and eight, and now they're both in college. So the dinner table has been, you know, has evolved and been redefined several times. And, but I'm still doing it. You know, I, I think of dinner now, I'm sure a lot of parents of toddlers will laugh at this, but now I think of dinner as sort of this little gift that I give myself every day at the end of the day. So, so that's where I am right now. Um, if we want to get into the technical biography of me, I am um, 
freelance writer. I write a food column for Cup of Joe, the lifestyle website. I write my blog and Substack newsletter, Dinner a Love Story. And I've done this for about 10 years now. And I'm the author of most recently, The Weekday Vegetarians, which is a book about how we dialed back on meat in our house without um, giving it up entirely. Well, I love what you said, even though I can't feel it yet, but this is my new aspiration now where dinner would feel like a gift I give to myself at the end of the day. Yeah. Because it feels like something I need to get through with minimal tears. Yeah. And that means tears from my children and my husband. And you too, I'm sure. Oh, no. I, well, I do box meals. Right, right. Well, Well, there must be multiple levels. Like there's chef, obviously, which you explained Mm -hmm. to me. Then there's home cook. And then there's box meal dependent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's a home like cook. If you're cooking food, if you're f- cooking food at home in the microwave, out of the freezer, from your box, you're a home cook. That's that's that's. There's one level. It's chef, and then there's one level with the rest of us. So okay, chef. That's and what I think. Oh. But yeah, I mean, you know, it helps. I, I I realize as I say that the whole gift concept is like you have to start out with a certain amount of enthusiasm for cooking in the first place. There and with eating too, you know, and, and some people just won't ever be there. Um, I kind of devoted the last decade of my life to trying to help people come on over to that side. And sometimes that works, but, um, you know, sometimes people just, you know, they'd rather be in the garden or they'd rather be reading a book or, you know, just hanging out with their friends and, you know, or they have work until they have commitments just pulling at them from all ends and, and that just can't happen. And there's obviously zero judgment in that. So, but yeah, I do feel like if you do like to cook what, you know, I just run into so many parents who are like, I really love to cook, but like, and I used to love to like sit down to dinner, but just with the kids have thrown everything off and I just don't know what to make that everyone's happy about. And, um, I like certain foods and they don't like others. And I I only have 30 minutes to do it all. And it just becomes this total source of stress where, whereas at one point, like before kids, or maybe in a different phase with kids, it wasn't so much. And so it's just like, I like to like sort of help that kind of person, you know, write the ship a little bit. Well, I definitely feel that way. Like when the box meal doesn't arrive, that's yeah. me. <laughs> Cause I'll yeah. do what people tell me to do, but you have to give me all the stuff. Just tell me it will make my kids happy. Tell me, you know, I'll have 30 minutes to do it and I will do whatever it takes. And I've actually found a lot of joy in that. I moved from Brooklyn sure. to a takeout family. My kids ate out of jars, you know, they were kids, babies. Yeah. But when we moved here, they stopped eating out of jars and I had to feed them and we didn't have good takeout options or we had limited takeout options. Like right. that way. Yeah. Um, I so I had to become a home cook and I have found so much joy. And I think the reason I found joy is because I have some of the right tools. I have a mm-hmm. few core recipes. Yep. And I don't care what my family says anymore. <laughs> so well, then just, you're in a good place. That's good. Get out, have a glass yeah. of wine, listen to a podcast, make a meal, put on the table and say, Shut I want to know what are what are your like default dinners? Like when you say you have like your meals, like, tell me what those are. I'm always curious. Yeah. Well, we have, so when the box meals come, mm-hmm. my family, like and by box meals, you mean like Marley spoon and those kinds of things, which, exactly. one, which one do you use? I like Marley Spoon and Green Chef. Okay. Good because they get a little old after a while. I've tried them all. 
Yeah, I'm sure. all uh-huh. plated. Home I've set. seen I've seen the boxes on, <laughs> on your recycling curve. <laughs> I'm dependent. Like if I don't get three it's meals great. a week from those box yeah. meals, I I kind of revert back. But I think the thing is that you know after we eat the meals, my kids rate them and we have a mm-hmm. book of yay yays. So we oh, put them fun. in the book of yay yays mm-hmm. and then that becomes my cookbook. But mm-hmm. I think that cookbooks are so critical and having those key meals that you can mm-hmm. always go to yeah. that, you know, are going to be a success, especially if you're having like another couple over with their kids. I mean, then it gets real, real. Yeah. But, you know, I have this other slant that really connected me with your new book because I used to be a vegetarian. So I used to be a vegetarian for 12 years and vegan for four. And I found a lot of challenges. And so I'm wondering how your book tackles a couple of these. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Why? Can you explain to me, A, before I answer your questions, why you were vegetarian slash vegan and then why you're no longer one? Yes. Yes. So I was vegetarian starting when I was 12 and I was super into animal rights. I really felt like, you know, I still feel the same way. I still have Mm -hmm. the same convictions, but somehow it's easier to have convictions when you're younger. I, that may sound Mm -hmm. weird, but a lot Mm -hmm. of my convictions have become diluted Mm -hmm. as I get older and as I have new challenges in my way, but I'm from Missouri and we were a meat and potatoes family. Yeah. My mom did not know what to do with me. She did not feed me. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, you're on your own now. I'm making, you know, turkey necks right. and ham hocks and you get on board or you eat whatever. So, so what did you do? Did you make yourself I did not eat well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in college, because I think as a vegetarian, if you don't love vegetables or you don't have the time or energy to treat them right, Mm-hmm. You get in a food rut. Yeah. That's a lot of carbs and a lot yeah. of fruit and a lot of raw vegetables that you don't actually enjoy. You just need something different. Right. So how do you get out of that rut? Um, well, I mean, I guess I should start by saying like the, we were real, we were like your mom and your family, like we were real meat and potatoes in our house for a really long time. And a lot of the recipes that we made were family recipes like grandma's meatballs and my mom's breaded chicken cutlets. And, um, there's just a lot of like nostalgia involved with, with our meat dishes. And, and I had sort of been hearing the conversation about, you know, eating less meat, dialing back for just to, cause I did, you know, as most people know that, um, you know, cutting back on meat or eliminating meat is one of the best things you can do to combat climate change. And, um, I just had that little voice in my head nagging me like we should really not eat so much meat for so long. And um, and then, you know, eventually once the kids were on board with it and they were um, my and my husband, too, my husband was I was just like, he's never going to give up his pork chops and his, you know, like pork ragu. And and he was, you know, he's like the rest of us. He's listening to what's going on. And um and it made it a little easier for us. But um, anyway, the point is to get back to your question is I really had to think hard about um, about how to completely switch up the table. 
Um, because we were, I would say we were eating meat five out of seven nights a week. And now, you know, mm-hmm. the goal was to do the opposite. Let's, let's eat plant-based meals for five out of seven days a week. So, and, and the reason why we did it this way is because it just felt a little bit more doable. Just, it was very overwhelming to me, just as I was saying before, all these recipes that we've been making for decades and that my kids would like define their childhoods with. And, yeah. and so we, it was hard for me to, get around that. So I had a, I, you know, I was writing the blog at the time. I still am. I'm writing this newsletter and I've always been in conversation with my readers. And so when I was going through this phase a lot, and I said, I said, I'm going to challenge myself to write this cookbook because, and I didn't know if I could do it when I got the cookbook assigned, I was like, I'm just going to, cause if I have the, if I have to create a hundred recipes for this, by this deadline and I'm, you know, my check depends on it, then I will do it. And, um, and so I was talking to the readers and they said the same exact thing that you did. They were like, please don't make this just one of those books. That's all pasta recipes and throwing cheese on where there's no meat. And, um, you know, and, and I really had that in mind when I was making this book, because I don't want to eat that way either. I mean, sometimes I do. And there are definitely recipes in there that cater to that kind of a night because we can't have like, you know, like green salads and tofu every night. Like that's just not realistic. And so there's, um, there's a whole section in the back of the book that I call, um, a vegetarian's bag, a vegetarian's special bag of hooks and tricks. And it's a, it's sort of addressing what you were saying. Um, like it's all the like sauces, it's all these like little, um, how do I explain it? They're hooks. Like, so when you make a meal, especially for kids, like you want there to be some hook on the plate. So something on that plate that's delicious, which sounds obvious, right? But it's like, for that, it can be like a spicy peanut sauce. Um, it can be a really good um, homemade Caesar dressing. <coughs> it can be crispy chickpeas. Um, it can be a, an egg cooked a certain way, like a jammy egg versus just like a regular old hard boiled egg. So every family has different hooks and different tricks. These are the ones that work for me. And sometimes they're not necessarily always like super nutritious, like in large quantities, like some of them are like roast crispy potatoes and, um, you know, like a buttery cornbread, but like if that Mm -hmm. cornbread, if you have a little piece of cornbread next to the three bean chili, it will make the chili go down. I think like, it just helps to like cast this glow over the plate. Like, okay, I can just scoop the, that delicious buttery cornbread with, you know, you know, what has got me embarrassed right now. I love this idea of a hook. I've never thought of it. Our hook has always been dessert. Let's be clear. Like yeah. the carrot at the end, or I guess it's not a carrot, the carrot yeah. cake at the end of the meal. Yeah. But I think our current hook, if I had to look at our plates night after night, is yeah. ketchup. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's the wrong hook, Jenny. No, 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 it's not. In fact, it's what what does it. I mean, as long as they're not like, you know, chugging it from the bottle like Gatorade, it's fine. But like there's ways crispy to build on ketchup. It's a you better know? spin. It's a better spin. Yeah, but like even crispy chickpeas. When we have crispy chickpeas, we serve it with tamarind sauce, which is basically like ketchup. Um, but it's like made of tamarind. It's del- and a kid, if you gave it to your kids, they would be like, "This is delicious." It's store bought. You don't even have to make it. That's a hook. Ooh, you go. It's that is Ma- a hook. Maggie brand M A G G I. Um, you can find it in H Mart or any Indian grocer, and it's just like it's like ketchup, but it's it's sweet and it's. But if you put that on crispy chickpeas with yogurt and some smoked paprika with the chickpeas the chickpeas and a squeeze of lime um, or cilantro. It's just like, it's, it's, that's a 10 minute meal and it's couldn't be cheaper either, by the way. Right. But um, right. yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ways, but like, I've also noticed that with, I mean, obviously I'm not the first person to, to go down this road, 
And in the last five years, it's been like the golden age of vegetables. So everywhere I look, I'm in the publishing world. So I get a lot of cookbooks sent to me every day. There was a new book being sent to me that was like, you know, just like a, a big name chef taking on vegetables. And like, mm. whereas once it was all about, you know, like the sirloin and the pork chop, but now it was like eggplant was on the cover of like these best-selling cookbooks. And so, and there's all kinds of ways to turn vegetables into those hooks, into sauces. Like I make a, a artichoke sauce. You just take a can of artichokes and you put it in a blender with olive oil, scallions, maybe a little lemon juice, salt and pepper. That's it. And whirl it. You have to have a good quality blender, like to get it really emulsified. And it's like this delicious sauce. It's a vegetable-based sauce. It's vegan. It tastes creamy. You serve that with like a pasta or you serve that like underneath um, roasted broccoli or it's just like that cool, creamy artichoke. I love artichoke flavor. And I'm like way too impatient to deal with a real artichoke. Like I I almost exclusively use canned or frozen artichokes, which I probably shouldn't admit publicly, but um, it's the truth. And um, you're a cook, not a chef, Jenny. You can share it with us. Let us know. No judgment. (laughs) I cook out of a box. Let's be clear. This whole world opened up to me once I opened that door of like how to use things that you like. I would have never looked at a can of artichokes and saw that as like the key to bringing together dinner in a delicious way, like ever. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Like a vegetable. Because um, there's a book, one of the books that was very influential for like during this research period, I can list all of them for you, but one of them was by Amy Chaplin. She, it's her second book. I would say she's, she's mostly vegan, if not entirely vegan, but she has, she was like, she has this entire section in that book dedicated to like vegetable sauces. And um, it's the most beautiful like photographic spread you've ever seen. It's like basically that treatment of vegetables, what I just told you about artichokes, it's that treatment for like every vegetable. So you can do it with beets and you can do it with carrots and you can, and, and, you know, it, it, you could, it doubles as like a soup too, by the way. Like if you emulsify like asparagus like that with like a little mustard and olive oil, it's so bright and green. That recipe is in um, the, the weekday vegetarians, but like, I got that idea to turn vet to turn asparagus into soup from her, like doing that with all those other vegetables. So like, it's just a process. And because I'm in the business, I, 
get these cookbooks all the time and ideas are being like just, you know, the, I follow certain people on Instagram. Like it's always just this like collective effort to get inspired and like it's bon the same in the design yeah. world right? We're getting yeah. magazines. I'm looking at blogs. I'm trying to figure out how to solve this window treatment problem. So I Google and I see yeah. how other people have done it and you build off of what they, their germ of an idea. Yeah, of course. It's like, we're all in it sort of, it takes a village, but you know, there's also, I remember like I read a story in Bon Appetit a while ago about like roasted vegetable dips where like you can just take like vegetables that are like on their last legs you just whirl them with like yogurt and tahini and then they become these amazing vegetable dips and like I started to do that like it used to be just like kind of the solution to save things that were about to go bad and now I buy I buy like sweet potatoes and I buy beets and I buy cauliflower with the specific intent to make them so um, with the specific intent that they will go bad soon. <laughs> yeah. they, here's the thing. They work even better when they're not almost rotten. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good so. to know. Cause I have a lot of vegetables that we have to mm -hmm. say goodbye to. Yeah. Due well, to I can give you a million ways to, 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 um, salvage them if you want to hear them. Oh yeah. Because wow. that's, been, that's been a big issue for us. Cause we've been, you know, obviously like when, when we've been, we want to dial back the meat, but we also want to really up the plant intake. It's all about like vegetables too, just as you were saying. And so, you know, we just, we've been going crazy with vegetables, at the farmer's market, which, you know, unfortunately our eyes sometimes are bigger than our stomachs. And, um, we, you know, by the end of the week, we still have like, you know, more than we would like to have just sitting on in the bowl or in the crisper. And so, Especially with like an empty nester, you know, you buy a whole head of cauliflower yeah, and like how much cauliflower can you eat before? Yeah. So I think that was another challenge too, as I was a vegetarian is, is, you know, I was a vegetarian for one back then mm -hmm. and it was so intimidating to spend $5 on something that was one ingredient and one meal that I wasn't going to want again for a week. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So I think that was another, you know, sort of rut. So it's nice to have this strategy where you can kind of wait a week and a half and still use that cauliflower again, even if it's brown. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, cauliflower is tricky, but I mean, I would say a good thing to do with that if it's like starting to get brown is to make that like one of those dips, like just, um, you can, I would say simmer it until it gets like a little crisp tender or like you can actually go a little bit more on the tender side since it's getting blitzed, but then you throw it into a blender with olive oil and maybe yogurt and tahini and garlic. I would say if you have some time, I would put it in there maybe. Um, and then that's like a beautiful dip that you can have, like you can just spread it on bread and top it with mushrooms or whatever for like lunch. Or if you're having people over, you could just serve it as part of the spread, you know, that kind of and you could stuff. call it my expired cauliflower dip. <laughs> Very enticing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it. speaking of the blender, that brings me to another question because I feel like the joy of cooking for me only came when I had good knives. Like yeah. I have my special green knife and if it's not clean, I don't have a good time cooking. Like that's yeah. just the bottom line. I have two yeah, pans I that I love and if they're not clean, I do not enjoy making dinner. So you mentioned yeah. this really good blender. I have such a bad blender. What blender should I have? Uh, well, everyone will tell you the answer to that is a Vitamix. Um, yeah. Vitamix makes really nice blenders, but the problem is they're very expensive. And um, we got one in our house for one of our 40th birthdays. I can't remember. I, I think I gave it to my husband, but we had always wanted it because we'd heard this lore about the Vitamix. And it's great, yeah. but it's, I have to say, I used my, um, I used um, 
just recently an Instant Pot blender, like the the actual brand is Instant Pot. I don't know how much it costs, but I can't imagine it's as expensive as a Vitamix. And I liked it more than my Vitamix. So it was just, oh. like, it was just more solid. It was very powerful. Um, you know, my Vitamix, I'm not complaining about it. It's great, but it's, um, but I'm not convinced and I have to do the research on this, but I'm not convinced that you have to spend that much money to get a decent blender. Um, but it is, it is crucial to mm. a lot of this cooking because like you want your vegetables to be like super emulsified and velvety. And I think you can't really do that if you have a, you know, like a JV level one. So yeah, I have it. It's worth an investment. What do you have? Oh, I don't even know. I got it on overstock for yeah. less than a hundred dollars. Well, it might, I, I mean, it doesn't even make a pina colada. Oh yeah. That's bad. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I would say look into that. Um, I'm going to look yeah. into it too. I'm going to look like, into that. Yeah. Okay. And what about the Instapot? You know, you see a lot of that on Facebook with the recipes. I mean, maybe a year or two ago, it was super hot. Um, what do you think about Instapot? I'm the wrong one to ask because I'm just, I'm not a gear person. I just like, I resist these um, things. I, I, I has, I just don't like clutter. Um, I do have an Instant Pot though, because my friend Robin, told me it's if you want if you want to be vegetarian you have to get on board with really good beans and if you want to get on board with really good beans then that means you have to do the whole soaking Mm -hmm. overnight thing which most of us don't have time or the you know we don't really think to do it ahead of time so she said an instant pot even if you only use it for getting beans like just the pressure cook to the point of being able to use them. It takes 25 minutes. She said, even if that's the only thing you use it for, you will, you will um, appreciate it. And she's totally right. Um, I mean, these days, like this was before the pandemic. So I wasn't home all day before, but now I'm home all day. So like, I just prefer to do the whole soaking beans thing because I'm there and I remember to do it in the morning. But like before, when I would, I would leave the house, I'd go to work and um, and then I'd be like, oh, what's for dinner later? And I didn't have to worry like that. I didn't soak if I wanted beans, like I I could have the good like nice heirloom quality beans, and I could put them in the instant pot for like twenty to twenty five minutes, and they would be ready to go, you know, for whatever purpose I needed. And it makes a difference to have like really nice beans when you're a vegetarian, because otherwise it's just like they're just. I mean, I'm a big I use canned beans all the time, but it's very special to have good oh. quality, like heirloom, like Rancho Gordo beans are the ones that I oh. always talk about. They're great. And like, here's the thing with beans is like, these are the nicest beans you can buy. And a bag of them is like $5, you know? And so like, that's, that's pretty amazing, you know? And that is and, amazing. Yeah. Um, so it feeds like that, that I can't remember how many ounces the bag is, but they're all about the same. And it, you know, it feeds easily like one family, like you have beans with um, like what we make now all the time is brothy beans with, um, burrata and pesto. You don't even have to have the pesto, but if you just did like the beans and the burrata, like burrata is expensive, but if you're not buying meat, it's like, you can get one of those like little bill joke bell. I don't know the brand, but they're like packed in water. Um, it's blue, green, and red. I'll get it to you for your show notes, but that's like five ninety nine. And then you have your beans that are five bucks. So that's like 11 bucks for like, and a crusty bread maybe. So and even you don't even have to do the burrata. Like the beans are delicious on their own with like maybe a little parm. I mean, that's expensive, but um, anyway, yeah, beans, like it's such a crucial piece of the equation when you're mm. going vegetarian, especially if you're going vegetarian for cost reasons. And so, um, so yeah, I think just to get back to your first question about the Instant Pot, 
that's worth an investment, I think. Um, well, I but, just bought yeah. one, full disclosure. Okay. I just bought the Harry Potter Instapot from William Snow. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> because it matches the color of my kitchen decor. Uh-huh. Speaking of, what do you think? And I just I just got my first La Crusade because I mm-hmm. had a gift certificate. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that the handle gets hot. Like, oh. what do you f- think about La Crusade? Because it's the gold standard. I feel super fancy that I own one now. Which one do you have? Like the little Dutch oven. Like like five quarts or so? Or like, what is it? Like the size know? of my okay. head. Okay. Okay. So it's a little. Well, I, I will say that it's the most used, the most beloved piece of equipment in my house. And in fact, we have two of them now. Um, we registered for one when we got married 24 years ago, um, which is still in rotation. Um, this is the Dutch oven one, which is like a five, we have a five and three quarters pot. And then we have a seven and three quarters one now, because we just found that the five and three quarters wasn't big enough for like, if you're having a, like, they're so good when you're entertaining, yeah. you make big pots of things. And so the five and three quarters was good for like the family of four, but so many of the meals that we make when we're entertaining are for are those kinds of Dutch oven meals. So we finally invested in a bigger one. I also, by the way, have my mom's Le Creuset the smaller one sounds like the one that you have. It's the oval one from, I mean, the thing must be 60 years old and it's still a hundred percent usable. So if the handles get hot, I mean, I don't know, the lid, the top doesn't ever get hot. It has the little rubber, um, the silicone top, right? The little black top. No, mine has a, a metal top. That's what I'm talking about. It gets hot. Really? That's so yeah. weird. The ones that I have, I don't know. Maybe there's a different level. Maybe there's a, like a thing I can put on top. Anyway, we won't get into it. No, but um, I want to get into it because because that is like, I would say like, I, I, someone actually asked me once, like if your house was on fire, what would you save? And (laughs) that was, that was one of the things like I, I love them. So I use the, it doesn't ever get stored. It lives on my kitchen stove. I'd make everything in it. And um, and I love it. And I think it's, that is hundred percent worth the investment. That's what I say, but okay, you know, well, we'll, we'll have to have a real, like, sit down about that. Cause I can help you, but I mean, it, I mean, you can obviously get like an oven mitt and work on the, that's what I've been doing, yeah. but I am a lazy, I'm like several steps below you. We already have established that. And so I'm super lazy and my favorite pots don't get hot. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm used to just grabbing and going, right? but maybe there's like a little hat I can put on or something. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Um, but also, you know, one other challenge, and I just want your opinion on this, feel free to judge mm-hmm. is that when I was a vegetarian, I was always seeking things that tasted like meat, like tempeh, like preparing tofu in a way that tasted like meat, like the fake and bacon. Yeah. What do you think about the fake meats? Um, well, I don't, this book is devoted to sort of the opposite of that. Nothing to <laughs> pretend to be anything else with the exception of um, the veggie burger, because that was sort of came about because when I was writing this book, Impossible Burgers and Beyond Meat and all those like plant-based burgers, the new refrigerated ones were becoming like very talked about and trendy. And we were kind of curious about it too, just because we were starting on this vegetarian thing. And and so we had a lot of them. And in fact, like one of the websites that I work for, a cup of Joe, like we decided we wanted to do a plant-based burger test, like a taste test. And I bought like 10 different brands. Um, I wasn't going to do the taste test. It was going to be um, this woman, Karen Nicoletti, who's a butcher um, and run, who, who does this whole line of like vegetable-based sausages. Anyway, she was supposed to, I got all, I did all the shopping for her and we were going to do this taste test. And then 
that was March 12th, 2020. And then March 13th, of course, is when the whole world shut down. So I had for all of pandemic, I had all of these burgers in my freezer that I didn't want to throw away, obviously. So we had to like cook through them. And they were, I think just really by the end, I was like, I can't, I, they, they taste like processed meat. And to me, that is the exact opposite of why I'm doing this whole thing. I want to get eat better. I want to eat simpler. I want to eat vegetables. I don't want to eat things that are pretending to be vegetables. And so I set about developing like a really good veggie burger and it took a while, Hmm. but I nailed it. And it's my favorite recipe in the book by far. And it's, um, I have a link to it on my Instagram. Like it's the kitchen published it. So it's actually out there. Um, but, but it's also in my book and it's, it's takes a while to make. It's kind of a fussy thing. Like just most veggie burgers are, you have to like throw in a whole witch's brew. Right. Thanks. But, um, but once you have them made, you can freeze them like in between parchment pieces of parchment paper. And then you just dole them out. Uh, you know, they take 10 minutes from, from freezer to, to, um, bun, to bun stuffing. So they're really easy. If you just like do a little thinking ahead. So, um, or planning and cooking ahead, I should say, not just thinking, but, um, but yeah, they're amazing. And my kids, like when we were doing like late after late night sports practices, when we were in that phase, it was like the perfect thing for before that weird time sport or after like my daughter, my, who's um, now just about 18. She, she would just like pull one out of the freezer before her set seven o'clock practice, she would do it at like six and fry it up, put it, you know, put it on a bun or she would come home from practice at like 10 and do the same thing. You know, it just was like, and it was on her and it was so easy for her to just own it, which was, which made my life easy. So it's not so heavy, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Well, last question, since, you know, we're an interior design podcast. Yeah. When I'm shopping for dishware, like plates, Mm -hmm. bowls, I love patterns and colors. Like I'm kind of obsessed with mm-hmm. patterns and colors, but it turns into a hot mess in the cupboard. Like mm-hmm. none of it ever matches and some of it breaks and then I have to buy something new. Mm-hmm. When I was looking through your cookbook, it's like all, well, a lot of white. Yeah. A lot of white. And that's what I hear. Cause I watch food TV yeah. um, that they like the white cause it shows off the food. Yeah. But as a designer, I just want more colors and patterns, just more. So yeah. what do you think? Uh, what's your feeling on dishware, things like that? Table yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's, I love color too. And my house is filled with color, but, but what you say is correct. Food looks better on white plates and the color for me comes from the food. So, um, you know, I, those white dishes that you see in my cookbook and in on my blog, they're all, I, I just like, I think that's my tag sale buy. I just like, I have so many like oval platters, round platters, modern China. Like I just, I just love different shapes of white platters. And I find that they work together so beautifully. Like when you're having people over and just, or just like a regular Tuesday night dinner with my husband, you know, it just makes everything just feel very clean. And and that leaves like the table decor, like it frees you up for someone. It's like buying a neutral, uh, like I would imagine you buy a neutral couch and then you can have fun with the accessories. You know what I mean? So you're not like, in, you're not just like beholden to this like bright orange couch or whatever. So right. like when you have white plates, then you can just like have fun with the, the flowers. And if you have flowers, I mean, the, the I think my favorite way to just like decorate a table when they're white plates is just like a beautiful bowl of vegetables or fruit. Um, 
mm. in the middle. Like just like I'm in the summer once I remember like I had these beautiful peaches from the farmer's market. And I just put like a whole row down the center. I didn't even put them on a plate. I just like put them on the runner and um, it was just so pretty and like natural and, um, um, and, and not, you know, it just felt, it just felt pretty. And so, yeah, I think color for me, I'm, I'm totally in favor of cover color. I just, for my plates, I'm very married to, to the white, to the white thing or like oatmeal or yeah. just like natural kind of clay hands, hand spun kind of vibe, you know, that feels like it's, um, you know, just like someone made it for you, like at the local yeah. ceramicist or whatever. So it's like the dirt foundation for your vegetable offering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the natural clay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get down with that. I'm going to stop mm-hmm. shopping anthropology mm-hmm, for the funky pattern. Okay. Well, shop with anthropology, but just for the, for the runners and the tablecloths. I love their Well, style. you know, we could get into a fist fight later. I don't mm-hmm. do runners or tablecloths or placemats. Okay. We'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm very adamant about that. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody has their thing. Yeah. I love it. Thing. So I have colorful dishware, but mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is I should stop making all my food white and brown. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> most of my food is white or brown. Well, there with you red go. Ketchup, with red okay. Ketchup. okay. Um, but I love this idea of the hook and I'm going to be, I'm going to be thinking about what my hook is for lunch. Cause now I'm literally salivating after talking to you. Oh, good. good. I love it. <laughs> then my job here is done. <laughs> don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry and don't talk to Jenny Rosenstretch when you're hungry. <laughs> like, let's just <laughs> make that a rule right now. Well, thank you so much for thank being on the you. show. Please tell people where they can find you, where they can find your amazing new cookbook. Um, Well, they can find my amazing new cookbook, The Weekday Vegetarians, anywhere books are sold. Um, I have a Substack newsletter um, that I send out once a week. It's three things that I'm excited about eating. I love it, by the way. I love it, by the way. You know why I love it? Why? I know this is somewhat controversial after listening to a podcast you're on before, but I love a tip with a story. Like uh-huh. the tip won't stick unless mm-hmm. I have a story. Yeah, that's so my you, whole business like, model. <laughs> and I love it. You know, I heard on that podcast, which I thought was so intriguing. And I can't remember what I'm having for lunch. I think uh-huh. lunch therapy with Adam Roberts. There yeah. we go. Great. There, uh-huh. Yeah, it was really fun, especially mm-hmm. because I love food. But he was talking about like the controversy of recipes and stories coming together. Or just that people have a lot of feelings about that. (laughs) But as a designer who has a podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, tips with stories make it, yeah, make it more meaningful. I agree with you. So that's what, that's what I'm banking on with this whole dinner love story thing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm into it because I'm reading the blog. That's how I knew you were on Adam's podcast. And that's why I was like, Ooh, yeah. I want to talk to her too. See, it's working. (laughs) If you liked hearing about Jenny, you'll definitely want to check out that podcast as well. You'll want to check out her blog, her Substack, her Cup of Joe. We will have to look not to find you, Jenny. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In the best world. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thanks for being on the show. And everyone, thanks for joining us and listening. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. 
And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.